Kayla would come on up to play here. <laughs> uh, all right. So, hello. Good morning, Maranatha Church. I feel like we should do the hokey pokey or something, kind of move ourselves around. Uh, thank you, Pastor Brian, for your faithfulness in this hard time. The times, they are a-changing, and they're hard, but you're rearranging and helping us all out. So we appreciate Pastor Brian for all that. So, all right, let's get started this morning. Um, why, don't we, why don't we stand real quickly? Just go ahead and stand real quickly, all right? We're not going to have a time of, of, of service, but I will read scripture uh, here to start us out. So the first scripture here, let's read. I like, I, like, I like reading scripture while we stand. I got a bigger chunk I won't make you read, but uh, the title today, No Seriously, There Is More. I'll explain that in a minute. But uh, let's go to the, the first verse there in Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You may be seated. All right. So today we are talking about being tired and hungry. You didn't need me to come up here to tell you that you're probably tired or hungry or both. Is that you? Yeah, sometimes. Uh, so Jesus liked to talk to people who were tired and hungry. Uh, when he first started his ministry, uh, his first big uh, teaching that he did was, was the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And he started out with these, these phrases that we know of as the Beatitudes. And he said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we got somebody that's, that's poor, okay? That's good. If you're poor this morning, say amen, all right? If you're, uh, blessed are those who uh, are, are mourning, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So Jesus addresses people who are in a very low spot. And so uh, there are people who are poor, hungry, who are broken. He said, those are the people that I want to talk to this morning. And so I feel like a lot of us are probably in that similar spot, and that's good. <laughs> that's encouraging. If you're in that spot, I think you're in a good spot because that's the spot where Jesus meets us, right there in that, that lowly spot. So uh, I am a youth pastor, and I do a lot of, of youth ministry. Uh, I have done a lot of, of youth ministry in schools and, and as, a, as a teacher as well. And so a question I ask a lot is, hey, hey, student, how are you doing? Tired. Oh, okay. Hungry. That's the most response I get. Sometimes I get so tired, and, you know, I throw in the dad joke, oh, you're so tired. I've heard so much about you. Like, now I'm even more tired. Tired of you, Mr. Breeding. So I, I meet a lot of people who are tired and a lot of people who are hungry, and I try not to answer that. Even if I am tired, I really try not to answer that question when someone says, hey, how are you doing? I really try not to say I'm tired just because it's a little pet peeve of mine. So I try to just say something else. Um, I probably need to come up with some better questions for students because, you know, how are you is often not a great question. So I do try to ask better questions. But that is the response I normally get is tired and hungry. So what I do is I like to turn that into a prayer for that student. Okay, you're tired. All right, so Lord, this student is tired. He's hopefully, he or she is, is tired of, of themselves, tired of their fleshly thoughts, tired of, tired of, of being in trouble. Lord, they're tired of, of not getting good grades. So Lord, we're going to pray for them, right? Oh, this person's hungry. All right, Lord, he's hungry. I pray that this person would be hungry for your presence, God. 
So I turn those responses into, into prayers and encounters, hopefully, because the Lord likes to meet people when they're tired and they're hungry. This is the place where Jesus meets us. So are we tired of ourselves? Are we hungry for God yet? And so speaking of hungry for God, that might sound a little weird to people, like if I ask that question. I, I grew up, you know, hearing that a lot. Are you hungry for God? You know, let's get hungry for God. And that might sound pretty weird to people. Like, what does that even mean, hungry for God? And so it might sound weird to, to you even this morning. And so speaking of weird foods, people might think hungry for God is weird. I want to show you some really weird foods in the world that some people call delicacies. And they like this. And people eat this stuff. So I'm going to show some series of pictures here. And these are very weird foods, Okay. And so, so let's go ahead. Let's go with the start. The first one. You might know what this one is. Does anybody know what that is? That looks kind of kind of normal. It looks like some fries and some lettuce there. But that little little burnt nugget there. What is that? That is haggis. Haggis. Haggis from Scotland. Haggis. Haggis. I don't. I, I'm not going to attempt that anymore. So that's a sheep's heart with liver and lungs cooked inside an animal's stomach. Does that sound appetizing to anybody? Anybody ever had haggis? Haggis before? Okay. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, that's a delicacy in Scotland. But for me, that's weird, right? That is a weird food. But some people crave that. Some people have a hunger. Some people wake up like, man, I really want some animal stomach this morning to be in my stomach. <laughs> I don't understand that. But hey, so that's one weird food. Uh, next one, here we go. Those are, if you can tell, those are uh, jinglied, I don't know, grasshoppers. All right, those are grasshoppers, fried grasshoppers. They're from Thailand. So they're fried with some salt. That's about it. So did anybody have grasshoppers before? No? Okay. Probably crunchy. I don't know if they're any good, but some people, <laughs> sorry, you're, some people are cringing already. Yes, this is strange. Okay, let's get off of the, the, the that's not the worst picture I have, so beware. Uh, the next one here, that one looks kind of normal. You can kind of see, but if you can see inside, that looks like a cookie or like a cracker, but it has wasp in it. That is wasp crackers, okay? So those are from Japan, which they're, exactly what they're called, crackers with wasp in them. So (laughs) I don't know about that one. I would eat around it and then just take the wasp and throw like some, like, you know, watermelon seeds or something. All right. Now this next one, you're probably all going to raise your hand for this one because you've probably tried (laughs) spam. (laughs) Yay. All right. Yeah. I grew up on spam because I'm from America. And so this is an American dish, (laughs) if you want to call that a delicacy. Uh, and this is, what this is, is mystery meat, all right? Spam, super pathetic American meat. I just made that up. That's pretty good. I don't know if that's what it stands for. But yeah, um, let's move on. Next one, here we go. Now this one, now that looks pretty normal. You can't really see anything. Even if you close up, even if you zoom in, it looks kind of like, you know, rice and, and stuff. I, I would probably eat that. But what this is, is called... Uh, Eskimal, Eskimal. This is from Mexico, and this is ant larva. Okay, so little undeveloped ants that you would eat. So now that if I had to choose one weird thing, that actually that might be the one thing I I might actually try. That seems okay, or the spam. Actually, I've had that, but that one that one could be a little bit less weird. But then I save the best for last, the most weirdest food I could find. If you can tell there, can you see it there? Squirrel says scorpions. Uh, that's a big platter of fried spiders. Yes, from, Thai, from Cambodia. 
So that's exactly what it is. It's a fried spider. Anybody want to try that one? Okay, so that one's pretty weird. So now that I have given you an uh, appetite, or I have not given you an appetite for weird foods, um, let's move on so that I can see if we can have an appetite for something different. So uh, you might be hungry in this room, but when you look at that, you might not have a very uh, good appetite. I should have shown you guys something more you know, appealing than that. Uh, but so anyway, so there's different cultures that have different uh, definitions of hunger or appetite, like, oh, I really like that. And same here with, with the church. We have a culture here of, of hunger. We have a culture for, for hunger for, for God. And just like those pictures are weird to you, a hunger for God might sound really weird to people that don't know anything about God. That just sounds really strange, like fried spiders or fried grasshoppers. So after Jesus taught about the, the Sermon on the Mount, later on, uh, he becomes... Uh, pretty popular, okay? There is a time when Jesus becomes very, very popular. Uh, people see what he's doing. He's um, healing the sick. He's turning water into wine. You know, how could you not be popular if you could do that? Um, he is, is, is healing blind people. He's feeding 5,000 people in a miraculous way. So people are starting to notice Jesus, and they're starting to follow him. They're starting to have a appetite for him. They're like, okay, I think I could get on board with this guy. I mean, we're all sitting around in this field, and I saw this guy had like five loaves of bread and two fish, and all of a sudden, everybody's eating, all 5,000 people, and there's more. And what, what happened? I saw this Jesus guy break this bread, and all of a sudden, it was everywhere. This is something I could sign up for. Yeah, I mean, hanging around this guy, I would never go hungry again. I would just hang out with this guy. Even if I'm poor, he could just whip out something and, and feed us right there on the spot. Let's, let's do this. Let's hang out with him. So in John 6, we see this really big crowd of people who are um, hungry for what Jesus is doing, his miracles that he's doing. They see him doing these things. He's walking on water, another really cool uh, miracle that he does. And so they're like, this is, this is useful. I'm going to follow this guy. I'm, I'm hungry for him. So in John 6, I want to read this passage here in John 6, 22. So after Jesus fed the 5,000, after he walked on the water, uh, there was the crowd that was looking for him. And it says this, the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake, the people that were fed um, the food, realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? So this is kind of a funny thing that they're asking because they just saw him feed 5,000. They saw him, you know, heard walking on water, healing the sick. What, what, are you, what else are you going to do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus, thank you for giving us your life, Lord, that we may never go hungry, that we may always be energized, Jesus. So Jesus, yes, he's the bread of life. He's the one that fulfills our hunger, and he's the one that energizes our, our tiredness. So last week, um, Pastor Brian shared, and we've been sharing a lot about, in the previous weeks, about uh, being, being uh, you know, there's more. I know that uh, Asaph preached on that, that message, there is more. And then Pastor Brian preached, no, really, there is more. And this week, no, seriously, there is, there is more. And there has been a growing hunger, I feel, for, um, in this church from, from us, from everybody here, that we do want more of God. We're seeking more. We, we are tired of things that have gone on in the world. We're, we're tired of some of the things that I do, you know, that our, my flesh does. I'm tired of some of that. You know, I'm tired of that. I'm, I am hungry for God to move in my life in, in new, fresh ways. There is this hunger that's, that's growing. And so last week, Pastor Brian shared a, a very intimate story of, of his life with his uh, experience with, with God and the Brownsville Revival. And I am very familiar with that as well. I grew up in a church that was very highly influenced by the Brownsville Revival in, in the 90s and early 2000s. And so I got a lot of, of that, that overflow of that revival that was happening was seeping into my life and seeping into my church culture that I grew up in. So we were a church culture that was very, very hungry for God. My family was a, a culture that was very hungry for the Lord. Uh, my mom and dad uh, taught me well in, into seeking the Lord and, and, and seeking him in his word and seeking him at, at the church and being a part of worship services. And, and I had this desire at such a young age that I did want more of his presence. And so as a young boy, uh, I did actually visit the Brownsville Revival. So I was uh, about seven years old. The Brownsville Revival started in 95. And my family must have gone, you know, a couple months after it really was getting started. And, and my family went. I was seven years old. And I remember standing in these lines waiting to get in. And that's weird, right, for people that don't hunger for God. That's weird to stand in a line to go to church because, I mean, would we have to stand in line to come to our church right now? No. I mean, there's, there's plenty of seats for people. But in, those, in that, that Brownsville revival, there was, I mean, lines out the door waiting to get inside because there was something that was so intense about what was happening there that the Lord was doing that they hungered for it. They wanted it. They were tired of things how they were. They were hungry for more. They wanted to get in so that they could be changed by his presence. So as a seven-year-old boy, I remember standing there in line with my brother and my brothers and my sister and my mom and dad, and we were getting hungry physically, okay? You know, a little seven-year-old boy gets, gets hungry, little kids get hungry. I remember being physically hungry. So my dad left the line and went to pick up McDonald's. And so he brought it back to us, and I remember sitting there and, and eating McDonald's. And so the Lord fed my hunger, right, during a revival, he fed my hunger. I was hungry. I was a hungry little boy, and he fed me. My father provided food for me in that moment. And then while I was inside, 
this revival that was going on, I don't really remember any of it. All I remember is sleeping. <laughs> now, how do you remember sleeping? But I remember resting, right? I was crawling under the pew, and I'm, I'm really tired because the services go for hours. And I was like, okay, I'm pretty tired now. So I remember crawling under this pew during a revival and looking and, and just kind of seeing all the way through. I think I even saw like a little, another person all the way over there sleeping as well. Like, yes, me and you. We're little kids sleeping during a revival. But the Lord provided rest for my tiredness in a revival. I was seven years old, and he provided for me rest. And that's how the Lord ministered to me in that, in that revival. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I guess if you don't, yeah. So he provided food for me, and he provided rest for me. And it was because of revival. It was because of people that were hungry for God's presence that I was fed. And it wasn't just physical rest and, and, and physical tiredness that, or physical hunger that he provided, but it was a lifelong provision that God has, has done for me over and over and over again. And I don't have time to tell you all about the moments that God has provided for me spiritually. He provided fathers for me. He's provided uh, times of refreshing for me. He's provided people in my life who have meant so much. He's provided the word for me. There's so many times as a teenager just see, seeking God in his word late at night because I was hungry for his presence and I had nowhere else to go and I just wanted him. And so the Lord filled me. He filled me and energized me in a revival. And so later in this passage in John 6, uh, Jesus keeps talking about this bread of heaven. And the Jewish people were like, upset and confused. They're like, what are you talking about, bread of heaven? Like, are you Moses? Like, Moses provided, he prayed to God, and, and, heaven, and heaven came down, and, and, and food was provided. Are you, are you greater than Moses? Are you, what do you mean, you're, you came down from heaven? Are you God? Like, what are you talking about? So they got very amped up and very, um, very angry about this comparison that Jesus was making. And here in John six fifty, it says, but here is the bread. Jesus is saying, here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, this is a picture of him going up to the cross and telling them, I'm going to provide for everything that you need. You will no longer be tired of your, of your sins because I'm going to take care of that, and I'm going to put away with that. You're no longer going to be hungry and searching for something that you need. I'm going to be that what you need. And then later after this, he talks about how, all right, if you're going to follow me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, remember, this is Jesus is popular here, okay? There's hundreds of people following him. You know, I don't know the exact number, but there's hundreds of people following him. I mean, he just fed 5,000. So maybe those 5,000, that same crowd is still there following him. 5,000 people. I mean, that's a pretty good following, right? If you had 5,000 people following you, you'd probably be like, yeah, I, don't, I better not say anything that might mess this up because I feel pretty good about myself. I feel pretty popular. And so this, Jesus was getting very, very popular. But then he starts saying this about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. And the people said, you know what? Count me out. This teaching is too hard. Now, I don't know if they didn't, I, I think they actually understood what he was saying, but they're like, you know what? I, I kind of like when Jesus just like fed us and not really like gave us hard things to say. Um, so I'm going to dip out now before <laughs> this thing gets even weirder, okay? And so I'm, gonna, I'm gone. And so at this point, 
in John 6, verse uh, 60 through 69, it says this, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is hard teaching, who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is what I told you, that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. And here, John 6, 66, it's very easy to memorize because it's John 6, 66. It's this passage where it says this, where the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now, the 666 part doesn't really, you know, mean it. It's just my way of, I, I kind of like the verse numbers and references because I can help, it's helped me to memorize things. But anyways, from that time, the disciples left. Now, not the 12, because he, he looks to the sim, he looks to the 12. He said, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. And here's Simon Peter, this declaration that grows up in him. He answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. In such a moment where uh, it was such sadness that all these people were leaving and, and no one really wanted to keep going, it was in this moment that Peter declared this. You know what? I was once tired of Jesus. I was tired of my life. But you came around and you gave me life. I thought I was living a life until you came, Jesus. And I've tasted and seen how good you are and how good this, this following you is. I can't go back. To who else where I'm gonna, am I going to go? I was hungry, Jesus. I was searching. But when you came and told me this, it fulfilled every ounce in me. And so for us in this room, we might have this same declaration as believers. We might say, yes, we have tasted. We've been filled. Where else are we going to go? Do you feel that when, you, when, you, when Peter says it? Do you also feel that? Where else am I going to go? Or do you still kind of have a little bit of a reservation? Well, well, I mean, I've been in the church for a while, but I don't really feel anything. I mean, I've been in the church for a while. It's kind of been up and down. I might try something different. I don't know. Like, is, that an, is there any ounce of you in there that, that has that? Or is it just full on, where else are we going to go, Jesus? There's nowhere else. I've decided that. There's nowhere else. But there are many that we may know that doesn't necessarily have this inside of them, this declaration. And they're, they're saying maybe no thanks. You know what? I like being filled with my own stuff. I like being filled with my own whatever. I'm fine being tired. There's people that just are fine with it. They, they live with it. I don't want to hunger for God or be energized by him. So what do we do for people like that? You know, what do we do for that? So I want to get to a time of prayer here. And so Kayla, you can come on up. I believe that our church here is... uh, hungering for God's presence. 
I feel like the Lord has fulfilled a lot of our desires. But I also feel like he's saying there, there's more. Like just the title of this message, Jesus is saying back to us, no, seriously, there is more. Like this is the words of Jesus saying this to us. Like there's more. Keep on going. Keep on seeking me. And I believe that our church is creating a culture of hunger for God. Our church is creating a culture for hunger for God. So what do we do for people who say, no thanks, I'm okay. I like being filled with my own stuff. I like being tired. I'm, I don't really need Jesus, the bread of life, whatever that, I don't really need that. What do we do for them? Well, I believe is that we create a culture of hunger for God here. We continue to seek him. We continue to do things like fasting, which I know our culture here is starting to do that more. We're starting to uh, create a culture of, of fasting. And what that does is that increases our appetite for God. As we go without food, uh, we seek the Lord in those times, and it's creating an appetite. And so the more of us that do that, I believe that there's a more uh, a, a stirring that happens and a hunger for God that, that, that occurs in this room together as we do that. And it's creating this culture where we're hungering for God together. And through that time in this culture, um, our, our, our families and our homes, we, we need to create a culture of hunger for God in our, in our, in our homes and our families. And I see a lot of families that are, that are doing that, that are part of this church, who are creating cultures in their home of worship, of prayer, of, of seeking the Lord together. I can see it in your kids. Uh, the one thing about being a youth pastor is um, when you talk to the kids, you can really get a good idea of what the home life is like. And so uh, if you don't want me to know about you, don't send your kids to me because they'll start talking about what their culture is like at home. And, and sometimes it's like, yeah, you know, we, we pray together. Yeah, we seek the Lord together. Or sometimes it's, like, no, we never eat meals together. Oh, okay. You know, and, and, we, we, I, and I try to pray for those people. But, but I, I can only do so much as a, as a youth pastor. I mean, it's, it's mainly about the parents doing the, the work in the home. And if you're not creating a culture of hunger in your home, I mean, what am I going to do with these kids? <laughs> I mean, I can help them, and hopefully they can create a hunger for God for themselves, and they can go back to their homes and, and, and try to start it there. But if we have a hunger for God in this, in this culture here, then the people all in these neighborhoods here, the people that are tired of themselves, that are, that are hungry and seeking something, they'll, they'll, they'll hear about what we're doing here, and they'll see, well, what is this hunger for God? Maybe, maybe I should actually do that because these people are really in love with each other. They're really peaceful. People who love God seem to really love me because when we seek the Lord, he fills us and he energizes us so that we don't have to be tired and hungry. We don't have to be like everybody else is tired and hungry. We can be full of the bread of life and we can help one another. And so when we create a hunger for God, others who don't hunger for God will take notice this is, this is revival when that happens. This is our church, Maranatha. Our churches are crying out for this. Come, Lord Jesus, bread of life, come. Come, Lord. I want to read one last passage, and then we're going to pray for this. And if you're not hungering for God, um, maybe you need to pray for that. You know what? I don't know if I have a hunger for God. Pray that you would have a hunger and desire for the Lord. And so here's a passage that we're most likely familiar with. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary. This is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all you who are tired and hungry, burdened. I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Your tiredness will turn into energy, and your hunger will be turned into me, (laughs) Jesus. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So right now, if you want more of the Lord, if you want to pray right now, then, then I encourage you to come up here and seek him, that we may have a hunger for him, that people around us in this, in this, in this world, in this culture that we live in that's so tired and hungry, that they may see the Lord. If you want a hunger for God, then you can come and pray as well, right where you are. So Lord, we're seeking you right now in this room. We thank you for your word that fills us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that energizes us. Lord, we thank you, God, that you have come and shown us the way. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And so, Lord, if there's anybody here that's just filled with other things other than you, Lord, we just ask right now, Lord, that that, um, that would go away, Lord that there would be an appetite and hunger for you, God. We thank you for this church, for Maranatha, Lord, for this culture of hunger that has been created here and is is still being created. Lord, as we seek you in your word, Lord, I pray that others would come along and be hungry for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Come and be